Hey guys, I'm Chris. And I'm Mike. And welcome back to this week's No Limits, the Thriller Podcast. What's new this week, Mike? Not much, but we have an exciting book to cover today. And an author that neither of us have really talked about before. So this is going to be some raw thriller pod action today. Yeah, no, I'm excited. I remember when we were starting Mitrap, you told me to read this. And I didn't have time outside of finishing grad school and doing the just the Mitrap books. I, I didn't have time to do it. But now you know, I have a little bit more time on my hands. And we're trying to build this new feed. So, yeah, I'm excited to talk to you about today. Did you say a little bit more time on your hands, you know, with the four kids and the doctorate that just freed up some time for you to, you know, hang out and read books? Yeah, I've since added two kids since we started the <laughs> podcast, uh, have a new job, and now have to move in less than a month. So, oh, I forgot yeah, the house and bit. the new job. Yeah. Oh, totally forgot about that. A little bit more time, <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, but I'm pumped. I've been bugging you. Since this book came out in, was it 2020, I think? 2020, yep. And I've read the now three books since. Funny, we're recording on May 3rd, which is the publication date. So congrats, Chris Hottie, on Storm Rising, the third book in the Haley Chill series, but really the fourth book if you count Insurrection Day, which was a little novella between books two and three. 3.1, or right, 2.1. There 2. you go. Five. There we go. Two and a half. But before we get into the book, I uh, just want to say little announcements. Uh, make sure you go and check out on this feed. We've already published interviews with both Andrews and Wilson, as well as Ward Larson, discussing their most recent books, as well as season two of the Scott Harvath podcast is up and running. We've dropped Lines of Lucerne there, as well as an- another episode detailing one of the sto- the scorecard, which we're going to actually tweak it a little bit today. Uh, we'll get to that. And we got Path of the Assassin going up next week, so be sure to check that out. Yes, and I guess we should say, just like on the Mitrap pod and the Scott Harvath pod, we are spoiling the book. So yes. consider this major, major spoiler warning coming at you. On Thriller Pod, we intend for this feed to be a book club-style discussion. Sometimes just Chris and I, sometimes we'll have the authors on with us, But we always want to get into the meat and the heart of the books, breaking down the plot, breaking down the characters. So you've been warned. In just a minute, we're going to talk about Deep State. Yeah, let's do it, Mike. Let's kick off our first book club style podcast. I mean, I guess this is not our first one. We've we've been doing all the the Mitrap, but our first non-Mitrap book club or non-Scott Harvath book club, which we hope to have many more. We hope to bring on some some guests, as you mentioned, the authors. Uh, So yeah, you want to kick us off, Mike? Well, Chris, you know I like to share my thoughts in the form of a limerick. There once was a boxer named Haley Chill, a true patriot and hero who fits just the bill. A shocking reveal. I even let out a squeal. Thank you, Mr. (laughs) Hottie, for the thrill. Uh, That was good. I like that. The people have been warned, so can I just bring it up? That ending, bro. Oh, can we start there? Can we my. start at the end? Uh, we, we sh- you you have to you have to because mm-hmm. you know there's no there's no getting around this book. So as as you mentioned, right? You told me that you, you were reading this 2020. Everyone was talking about it. 
you know, Chris Haughty. I want to get it right. Haughty, right? Mm-hmm. Not Howdy. Okay. So Chris Haughty comes on the stage. Everyone's talking about it. I guess this was the same time around Total Power was going to come out, right? And you read it and you're like, hey, I just don't, I don't see it. I don't see it. I, everyone's talking about this ending. And you're like, so you had like told me that there was some crazy twist. And in my mind, I forgot about it. And we, you know, we discussed, we're going to read this. I'm reading it and I'm reading this book and I'm like, I mean, Mike, this is a good book and, but I, I'm just not seeing it. I'm, I'm not seeing like whatever, what, what you're saying, how amazing it was, how, you know, I'm just like, you know, it's, it's decent, you know, it's a, it's a decent right. thriller. I was engaged. Um, but you the know, I'm not okay. going to put this, the end, the, the, the first ending, the first is ending, okay. right. And then boom. But then, but then I'm, I'm getting, so I, I do most of my things on audiobook, right? And so unlike with a, if I was reading a physical copy, I could, you could probably see that, oh, like there's still a decent amount left once you get to the supposed ending or the saving of the president, right? And then I'm like, there's, there's gotta be something else. There can't just be like, it had 40 minutes left on the audiobook. I'm like, what, what the hell are they going to talk about for 40 minutes? That's just not some (laughs) wrap up chapter. And it was like, whoa, you know, it's almost like that, the, I thought of like the Ocean's Eleven, you know, like where, they do the whole plot, they do the bank heist, and then once they succeed, they then go back and then tell you like qu- very quickly like how everything happened, like pretty much replay the entire movie, but how it actually happened. And that's what he did here. And I'd have to say, you know, the the plot twist was amazing. Oh, yeah. So good. So you're ramping up the action at Camp David. Pretty cool scene. I like what's going on. President's life is saved. The typical move that we were so trained you know it, it, by reading thrillers you're almost trained to be like okay we had the rising climax the action happened a couple of chapters of debrief close it up go home and we were kind of disappointed in that with lions of lucerne and path of the assassin and even mitch rap books we consistently said on season one of the podcast that might not have been vince's strongest characteristic was writing endings and closures to books. Some were great, some raced to the finish line, but others left us wanting. I will say with lines, like the only thing I was, I, I didn't need the debriefing chapter. I, the I debrief, felt like right. everything, everything just stood on its own. And I was like, holy shit, are we going to get a 40 minute debrief on like the entire plot? But no, we did not. We got something completely different. Right. Because like, look at Vince and Brad. The two things are like Vince Flynn has crazy action. It's sometimes so jam-packed, it's too quick. And then Brad Thor gives you a whole big explanation at the end, really re-explaining the plot to you. And I'm just like, okay, those are kind of the traditional ways of doing it. So I'm expecting here, I'm just going to get some wrap-up. She's going to go to the White House, get to the Oval Office, shake hands with the president, maybe get an award or something. And then, no, when she drops the Russian... I I lost my shit. I lost my shit when she starts speaking Russian. I know you texted me, I guess early like Friday, right? And you're like, "How how are you liking the book?" And I was like, "You know, I, I like good. it. It's All good." Right. Yeah. And I, I was only up to the point where you know she just got in the accident with the secret service secret service agent Billings, right? And they obviously crashed and got away. I, 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 that action was was pretty cool, and I was like, you know, this, this is nice. Got some that's gonna be good beats. And then you were just waiting. I was and waiting as soon as soon as that Russian hit. That's when I texted you. I was like, 
what? No way. Like, like this makes the book like so much better. Oh, like that yeah. twist is, is effing amazing. It completes it. So I, I purposely didn't, I almost asked you this before the pod, but I wanted to save it for you. So I guess we can just get into a general discussion of the entire story here. And it's related to the twist. So you're going along and the problem, one of the problems I had with like why it didn't, wasn't really clicking for me the first three fourths of the, of the book. I'm like, how is she able to do some of this stuff? You know, I know it's like, it's a thriller. You got it. You got some amount of buy-in. You got to just, all right, this is our character. She's going to go through things, right. you know, but she had a little bit of proficiency to her. I mean, yes, they gave her a backstory. She was in one of the first, what, 18 females to be uh, infantry. She was obviously a boxer, skilled in hand-to-hand combat. But some of the things that she was doing, like, were kind of Mitrap-esque or, you know, Scott Harvath-esque in the sense that I'm like, I don't fully buy the fact that, all right, this, you know, this Anna Riley character is going to be able to taking out these these people, you know, not not to compare Haley Chill to Anna Riley, yeah. but you know, in the beginning, I'm thinking like, all right, this this, yes, she has military background, but come, like really, but I want to bring this question to you. I think once you go back and you rethink those scenes, one, it fills it out better. She's yes. obviously now an agent, and yes. two, I think she knew all along the people like she purposely started I, I think she purposely started a, a a fling with that secret service agent i think she purposely mm. in, brought in asher because she had had uh some feelings about him like that he could be involved i think she she knew all these things and wasn't letting on uh, let me let me break some of this down because i'm gonna say i agree with you on some points there but I am going to take odds to a couple of them. For example, I will definitely say this book in the second go around, you almost expect it to be not as good because you know the surprise. I want to reread it now. Right. So you want to reread it and be like, oh, I wish I was kind of giddy again and this surprise can shock me. But it's almost more meaningful reading it again the second time, knowing what's coming. Because you can look for things differently. And I'm going to say, if you read it again, I don't think you'd feel that way about Billings, the Secret Service agent. I think Haley is authentically having a relationship. And maybe something in her mind is like, I can use this to my advantage. But I think she's also human at the same time. A few times we're in her head and she's reflecting on sex and her whatever and her relationships in the past. You kind of get that she is a human who who wants and could have a relationship. So I don't think she's completely going super agent there, dating him at first. But that was Howdy's choice. Or Sorry, I'm, I'm going to mess it up all the time. Howdy's choice to not overtly give us those clues because he didn't want to spoil. But like, just think of the scene where she goes back to his apartment, sneaks in. Like, what normal person would just think to go back to the apartment and no, sneak in. She, she was doing that to clear her name because she didn't want to be implicated in the crash. Like, th- how about this? Go back to the moment where she sees the boot print in his car. You yes. can't tell me she honestly was caught off guard and needed to react. 
in the moment, and her face was a tell. If she was playing Billings and thought he was suspicious, her face or her body language would not have betrayed the tell in that mm, moment. I guess I guess you're right. You're right. You're right there. So, right, Chris, maybe my argument doesn't again, doesn't fully fully hold up. But yeah, there are a lot of things though where you're completely right. The second read of this book, keeping the end in mind, you read it so differently. But you you enjoy it more, I would say. And you also see that not everything was a setup. And I think that's the genius because there could have been some clues that were so on the nose. You didn't see them the first time. You go back and read them the second time and it's clear as day. And I'm glad that almost doesn't happen. It still shows Haley as a person. You can see and understand how she's part of a secret organization and she's super trained. But it's not hit you over the head with it. You know, I'm also like the first time around, I'm like, man, this, this lady just immediately believes in a deep state. Like, you know, people have been talking about a deep state for years. And then all of a sudden she just, you know, meets, you know, gets a warning from the chief of staff. Okay. That was weird. And and she's like, oh, there must be a deep state. But obviously there's a deep state because she knows there's a deep, you know, she knows she has intelligence about it, you know, but the whole time I'm like, man, she's really fucking naive thinking that of one man's word to be be cautious. Yeah. But now it makes sense why she's cautious because she knows exactly. it's right. Uh, dude, I agree. I felt it was so weird when the chief of staff randomly drops the tidbit about trust no one, watch out for the deep state to an intern that he kind of just met. So I, it rubbed me as a little weird or out of place that deep state came up that early between particularly between these two characters with no history. But then it got me thinking, Was he could that have been the chief of staff's reveal to see if she was part of the deeper state, if she was mm. in Publius, because he knew about Publius, or he was warned by Publius. And so I'm wondering if, when he said that so soon to her and brazenly, trust no one, watch out, that wasn't just like your mentor's advice in a professional work setting. It was something I different. It felt it's this weird. person that is this person that he's met like twenty minutes ago. Right. Gets her to come upstairs to read to read the speech for him, and then randomly was like, "They're out to kill me." <laughs> that was so weird. Watch your back, and I'm like, and then she be- like essentially believes him, and that's she why believes. the whole story she doesn't go to the authorities immediately with this stuff. And I'm like, wow, she's. I I began to like. I I didn't like her. I I I right. I started to not like Haley Chill. And then she br- like Chris brought me all the way back around. When it makes I more sense that, now, right? Yes, it makes complete sense because she she knows that there actually is a deep a deep state, and it makes me not wonder if he was part of the deeper state all along, or at least knew about mm. it, or at least knew about it, or knew yeah. that a mole was there in, or like someone was there to protect the president. Well, protect the president, right? Mm-hmm. If he knows that there's Publius, he probably doesn't think that guy he's working for and ideal idealizes is the mole right i don't that's why i think it's murky i don't think he's read into it that much but i think he or he's he doesn't even know maybe a publius exists but he's attuned to there is a deep state and there's a network of patriots who are trying to defend against it i don't think he's read in because actually at the very last scene to read in Haley chill that the president is the mole 
she was the only one selected out of all the training. So that's a very closely right. kept secret. So no, I don't right. think the chief of staff would randomly know that. But I, it just, yeah. I guess there's little things like that, a plot this intricate and a storytelling reveal that's this bold and brazen. There's going to be the gray zone, right? It's not going to be clear cut, black and white, everybody's good, everybody's evil kind of thing. I also like, one of the other reasons why I, I assumed that she was interacting with people that she knew to be, or at least suspected to be a part of the deep state was because I'm like, man, this girl has bad luck. Every single person, and I know it's a book and I know that's like how it's supposed to go, but every single person, she, like the guy, one guy, she, the first guy she dates at the White House, he was part of the hit team. The guy who she runs to away from that guy, he was a mole for, you know, feeding information to, um, you know, the, the CIA deputy director, right? Yeah. So he's also involved in this deep state. Even though he wasn't involved, he was, wasn't actually part of the deep state. He was involved in somehow, right? Yeah. And I'm like, either she's super unlucky or once I read the ending, I was like, oh, maybe there's a reason why she was with those people because she suspected them. Yeah. And that's something I didn't like so much was that Asher was an informant for Odom. I didn't want him to be. I wanted I him want to just to be, be a regular character. He was a good friend for her, and he was somebody you'd want in, you know, an administration on a personal level. Leave the politics and whatnot aside. Sure. He was just that good guy you kind of would want to work with and want to have your back. Though, the backstory was fleshed out enough that that's how Odom recruited him. He went through a bad breakup. He felt lonely. His parents were struggling accepting him. He was in, you know, uh, an institution. And, of course... It makes sense that someone from the deep state would recruit you, a vulnerable person who's in a position of power, and ask for certain information in return. So I didn't like that he was a mole. I'm glad he wasn't a full-fledged conspirator. Right. But you wanted to cheer for him. And he didn't give up Haley. I like that. Yeah. And I, I like that Well, you because you could kind of see how he was manipulated, right? Originally, exactly. he's gung-ho like signed up the you know to be a part of this administration right and then gets turned by this plant right by the yeah. cia director to resent and hate the administration right and then but the so you're right you're you you go through this time period with asher where you think you know he he actually believes that the president maybe deserves to be killed right there's there's yeah. a couple lines where he almost he almost hinges on that and then he, the Chris almost goes to the point of saying, you know, he's like, oh, well, no, actually democracy, you know, requires us to not do that. And you, he almost gets over the Asher and then boom, we get that twist that he's uh, actually a mole. And I was like, oh, I was kind of hoping that he would come around and be like, actually, no, we, we can't kill the president. You know, like, right. Haley has this, this interesting line. It's like, all right, what if the guy you like is in office and someone was trying to do this? Yes what would you call it a coup d'etat like and i was like oh that's that's a pretty good pretty good, that was a very good line and, and like what if the supreme like, okay, court I, I see that what if the supreme <laughs> right, court had a ruling that's very <laughs> radical but you completely agree with it versus the supreme court has a ruling that's pretty out of character and you completely disagree with it you know you want to villainize the institution when it's against you you want to support it and defend it when it's for you 
but that's not how it's the politics, game works. I guess. It's no, politics, it, and that's not how it, how it shouldn't work. Should right? work, yeah. Uh, let me let me just respond to this point that you were wondering, and I maybe on my first read I was too. How is Haley so darn good? Yes, and sure, I get that. But the reason I didn't question too much was the first chapter. When you the boxing her, did did do a good job of that. When you hear about the boxing and how how brazen she is, like she wants to go against this person who's way better than her, way more experienced than her, who all the odds say is going to kick her ass. She just wants a chance to be in that ring, and she exploits the vulnerability. And her growing up in Appalachia and the struggles, uh, losing her parents, and the hardships she raising endured, her kid, Raising her sisters, yeah. Raising sisters. the sisters. All the lessons she learned throughout her life, I was okay with her doing badass things throughout the story, even with little training, just because her army background, her boxing background, that boxing mentor who we learn dies and dies pretty tragically. I want to talk about that in a minute. I, I, I want to bring that up too. Yeah. yeah. But I bought into who Haley was solely based on how strong an entrance we got to her and her backstory. I thought the backstory was fleshed out in one quick chapter right off the bat. No, I... I guess it's not that I didn't buy into her character per se. I just had this gnawing feeling that something is not right here. You mm-hmm. know, like I, I believed that she could do, do those things, but I'm like, why do I believe that she can do those things? You know, mm-hmm. nothing really has shown me or, or said to me, you know, because how long was she in the military before they, they came and recruited her? Like not that long, right? No, yeah. A couple years. She's young. And yeah, she's had, a, you know, difficult backstory she's obviously a good fighter like all of that sure i believe that but just you know some of, i'm i'm getting like john mcclain vibes <laughs> in you know like die hard you know like yeah. stumbling in on an airport and you know he saves the terrorists you know that like all right you have a cop he's obviously a cop he, you know he does cop things but he's going to take down a terrorist in, in an airport or in a building you know yeah you need more training like, than just a cop a street cop <laughs> yeah you know like so i got some of those vibes but then again once you get the ending and everything like clicks into place. Right. I brought it up. So I got to get your take on the flash forward. And when I interviewed mm. him, I dubbed it doing the hottie. Doing the hottie. So what do you think about doing the hottie? The flash forwards. That is unique. Well, so I think we can talk about that. And we can also talk about his writing style in general. Yes. So obviously he's a screenwriter. Like he's written a couple of movies over and, 30 yeah and so once i i didn't know that until i googled him like halfway through reading this book and i saw that like, oh he's a screenwriter and then because uh, as i'm listening to it i'm like something is different here it is this is not how i get how this is not how george Guidel reads which i will have to say um mirin ireland she's the audiobook reader she did a great who, job which she, do you know where she's from? I mean, she's obviously an actress, but you know what I remembered her from? She played uh, a character in Homeland. She was, um, oh. she married, she married a Muslim, and they were like al- deep Al Qaeda moles in one of no the seasons. Way. Oh, that's yeah, wild! I, and as soon as I looked at, I looked up her and I saw her IMDb. I'm like, where do I know her from? And it said Homeland season whatever. She got yes. Haley's accent spot on, dude. She was a really good reader. 
Yeah. But yeah, you know what I was saying about like when George reads a, a Mitchrap book or even when, oh, what's his name? Um, Arm- Armand Schultz reads, you know, Brad's books like the the language, the, the writing styles is way different than what Chris does. And it clicked. Oh, he's a screenwriter. Yep. Very declarative. Very straightforward. You can see where his descriptions of, you know, Haley walks in with a, with a, you know, a grimace on her face, yep. you know, and someone looks at her, you know, it, it, it reads and then, but then it, then it sort of evens out into like a normal paragraph, but then it goes back into like how you yep. would imagine the little informations you would get before a cut scene. Right. Yep. You know what I love about that? It's very descriptive in the sense of you can see it playing out, yes. but not in an unnecessarily flowery way. Right. It gives it's very you succinct economy of language that needs to be so direct. And Chris has spoken about this because in Hollywood, and one of the jokes he made, this was on the Crew Reviews podcast. So the Crew Reviews, great podcast, does interviews with authors. When they had Chris on, he said, Everyone in Hollywood hates to read. (laughs) And so if your script didn't catch them right away and you couldn't keep their attention, you were out. It was, it was that you were done one and done. So he, he, when he switched over to thrillers, which he was totally brand new to never really considered or had thought about what it'd be like to write in this genre, but was a reader of the genre. He kind of just naturally did it in his own way. And this book is very unique in that sense. Crisp, quick, declarative sentences and descriptions. What I like about that is the plot and the characters have to speak for themselves. They're not going to get a ton of this verbose, descriptive, vivid, sensual fluff to kind of fill in the gaps and make you feel a certain way. You have to emote based on the action, the plot, and the characters very directly. And the fact that he gets, I would say, that much emotion or engagement from a reader with language that is so bare, that's pretty impressive. And I would have to say the dialogue's pretty good. Like, Right, the dialogue too. That's a lot we get. You know, we, we get these sort of declarative statements addressing, you know, the surroundings, everyone's facial expressions, you know, sort of actions that are going on around the room. But then we get we get some pretty nice dialogue, which I thought, you know, was one of the the bonuses of his writing. Yeah, for a while there, I was like, I don't know if I like this. But then as I kept going, it it was so propulsive. Like the yes. it's almost it was almost staccato in nature how, yes. how he does these declarative sentences. And then I texted you like immediately after we got like we we get two of these how, a pull and a howdy like right off the bat. Yep. I guess we we get the one about her boxing instructor. We also get the one about the person that she fights, right? Yeah. And I'm like, this is this is very strange. Like I've never never seen anything like that before. But I kind of I was digging it. Yeah. Like the the one where, what was it, Becca, one of the other <laughs> yep. interns, like she she goes on to be like a multi million dollar <laughs> cult leader, and then ends up dying in her Tesla. No, that was that was the the aide. She ends up going to jail, right? Yeah. Right. I like the intern dynamics, not only oh, yeah. because you see their futures, but I feel like he also got, it's funny, after all that happens in this book, 
one of the memorable scenes sticking with me is the intern office. The way they're treating each other. It does stick out. Right. The way they're competing. And one is this finance bro whose dad got him the job. And you're like, let's see how that turns out for him. And he doesn't really care. And then Becca, who is this bossy bitch, you know, who's really competing against Haiti and every Haley and everything's a competition ends up becoming a scam artist and a cult leader. Yeah. I, I just think that's those. And then the third one is like some, some actor or director's daughter who, you know, is the pretty one and, and is right. just there because she needs to do something. Yeah. Right. He He gets the dynamics. You know, I've had some people who have interned at the white house, been a white house page and yeah, like it, it's cutthroat, but I feel like in movies and, and books, they always ramp up like the, the, the super cutthroat nature of it. But, you know, I just say like in my field, I've seen the cutthroatness of just in like a freaking biology field. So I could mm-hmm. imagine that stuff like this exists. You know, you hear about the stuff that happens on like Wall Street and, and finance. So I wouldn't yeah. put it past people, you know, being vicious like this in this it situation. Fits. It really fits. It felt like a scene out of House of Cards, you know? <laughs> right, 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 right. And I like the fact that it's with interns. So it's kind of innocuous. Right. And it's not really the major power players, which is further setting you up to be like, how does Haley break through here? What is she going to be able to influence or affect from this office? And very quickly, her military background gets recognized. Her quick wits get recognized when she's up in the briefing room with the cabinet and so i yeah i I don't know why but the the intern scene really sticks with me but i want to zoom out here a little we've been really focusing in a narrow sense if we zoom out how much do you buy the monroe administration as a whole so he's never been a politician before He was a vet from Kuwait, Operation Iraqi Freedom. You know, he's served two tours doing that. And he just becomes like a talking head and really popular. And everyone sees him as kind of just a down home, you know, good old boy representing American values, a patriot, if you will. And he very quickly sweeps this election and has people convinced he might be what America needs to get back on track and move away from all the political bullshit. Well, could you see the parallels that Chris was trying to pull with the administration at our our current administration? Not not the one now, but the the time of the book coming out. Well, I think it goes both ways. I could see he was like plucking from the Trump administration, not putting the character that is Trump with instead replacing that character with a military person, but giving him like essentially the same like an outsider wasn't planning on, you know, no one really thought he was going to win and sweat swept sweeps in is someone who's coming in going to pull us away from NATO pull, you know, once closer ties to Russia, mm-hmm. you know, I could see some parallels that he was trying to place, you know, just drawing from the current situation, but, but at the same time, it's sort of blending. They never actually state which party is, is which you could Correct. sort of like, you, you could kind of deduce, I guess, you know, most people who read these, these books are tend to be conservative. So, you know, you you could sort of deduce whatever you wanted, but I, I think he does a nice job of blending, and you can sort of pick and choose who you thought was was one side or the other. I don't I don't know if if yeah. if that if you agree with me or no. No, I agree with you. I I just think it goes both ways. 
it was it was definitely cherry picking, but cherry picking I think in an artful way that doesn't pin him as oh he's the Republican bozo or he's the Democratic liberal softy. Chris sure. did say in our interview he will never use Republican or Democrat in his books because it's not an analogy to you know vilify one side and hold up the other. So I think you're right in saying he cherry picked like the NATO thing. How Monroe wanted to move away from NATO as a hedge against Chinese dominance. It was kind of like a way to. It was was kind of this interesting play. Yeah, yeah. You kind of align with Russia as a hedge against China. So it's like, okay, Trump did some of that stuff, but then again, he has a gay chief of staff or a gay um, whatever Asher's role was, who believes in him. So it's like he is someone who's not one-sided or one-dimensional in his politics. He's speaking to a wider swath of America in his administration. So, yeah, I I don't think we can pin him one party or the other. Though, Haley does drop at one point. Make America great again? Did you hear that? I didn't hear that directly. I I think make America strong again was the quote. It might not have been make America great, but it was definitely make America something again. Yeah. Yeah. He could be the president to do that. And then I was thinking the quote where she says, the people back in West Virginia are Monroe people. She's from a Monroe area, which makes me think he's a Democrat. Uh, He's a Republican. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really matter. But because in the end, he's a fucking Russian mole, <laughs> which I think was like the, cra- right. the, the craziest thing to do, right? <laughs> you, if, if, even if, if he is conservative, you take him and then make him the freaking Russian mole. Like that is fucking bold, man. Yeah. That is bold. It is insane. And reading this book, especially with, you know, Russia attacking Estonia, and now we're right. in our, our current political climate, it just, it was very interesting to, 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 you know, this is now two people back to back who have sort of, I mean, obviously I guess it's a clear, especially after Crimea, like it's yeah. the easiest, an easy plot um, point to, to choose. So it's not like they're predicting the future. But um, yeah, it was just interesting to read that, especially with the current political climate in Ukraine. That's where things fall apart and the president starts losing support is he's doing nothing about Estonia, really doing nothing to stand up to the Russians. And eventually that's when the CIA and others realize he's got to be taken out. That's a danger to our national security by letting this thing get so off the chain over in Eastern Europe. Yeah, so I guess your original question was, do I buy the the plot, like the overarching plot in the Monroe administration. Um, yeah, I think it's, you know, it. you can see it. It has parallels to either current situations, both, mm-hmm. both in 2020 or, or now. This idea of, of of a Russian mole being in, in the White House is, is kind of crazy. I, I don't know. And this idea of a deep state and then a, an even deeper state. Yeah. I don't know, Mike... I guess we got to ask the question, do you think a deep state exists? <laughs> let's, yeah, let's get into that. But let's also put it on the scorecard because two of our categories are plot and buy-in. And another big category on the scorecard is action, which we didn't talk about too much. So what do you say if we kind of wrap up our final thoughts, winners, losers, by also giving our, our scorecard rankings here? And since yeah, we're so in you, buy-in... Do you want to just... Uh, do you want to just say how we're changing the scorecard a little bit? Yeah, so as we do this, we originally used a 30-point scorecard 
on the Scott Mike's always changing things. We're always changing things up. We're always learning. We felt that hemmed us in or it was a little too narrow. So we've expanded the scorecard to 50 points. We've added a few categories. Uh, We had villains before, but we also wanted to have the good guys. So we both have good guys and bad guys now. Villains and other characters as two separate categories. And one thing we were definitely missing that's huge in the Scott Harvath books and most thrillers is the setting. A score on the locations, the descriptions, and the places that we go to. I think that's a hallmark of thrillers. You you can't leave that. Yeah. No, it's it because it's cool to like, especially most of these places. You don't stay in DC. You you go other places, and just how the author like one describes those, how much you buy into the fact that he represented those places well. Exactly. So yeah, the last change on the scorecard is since they're two of the most important elements in a thriller, we doubled up action to 10 points and plot to 10 points. So we're going to have a total of 50, action 10, plot 10, buy-in 5, bad guys 5, good guys 5, setting, and our free space, all 5 points each for a total of 50. Yeah, just to wrap this up, I felt like the the, the 50... the the original 25 points we, we didn't want to get into half points and 0.25 points because uh, we wanted to have a little bit more breadth especially with the action and plot because you know exactly a, a seven is like i guess equivalent to like you know you could do a seven six five but you really can only do a three or a four when you're doing the the, the, the five point scale so anyways right so you said how are we going to score action or how are we going to Let's let's skip action for now. Let's go right to plot and buy-in. So for plot, I gave it an eight, and I think the the twist at the end really really props that number up. Mm-hmm. And I think here the the writing, you know, as we said, I really enjoyed it. I it didn't it it kind of took me a minute to get used to it, but it was so propulsive. I really enjoyed it in the end, and you know, those little the pulling a howdy um, that was cool, and yeah. Uh, for buy-in, I don't know. Like, in the question of whether or not I believe there's a deeper state, I, I guess I'm going to give it a two. I, I'm, oh. I'm, I'm a little bit of a skeptic in terms of like maybe there's a deeper state, okay, or a deep state, but I, I don't think there is. Uh, I don't know. Okay, okay, okay. Um, for plot, I went a little higher with a nine, and part of that's going to be. I like the in-between stuff, the meat in the middle of Haley with the the boot in the footprint, fighting off Scott Billings in the car, swimming away from the car accident, you know, covering up the evidence. And then even the lead up to the Camp David scene, how she maneuvers to get back into the White House after essentially being fired or demoted to the Library of Congress. Right. I, I, I think the plot sustained throughout even when we didn't have these big reveals or even when it wasn't the most sexy of scenes going on, it's still sustained. So I'm giving it a nine for the plot. And I was going to go a little higher on buy-in. I'm going to give it a three. I'm surprised you went down to a two. I flirted with a four, even as just insane as it sounds of as a Russian mole as the president. Okay. That's that sounds insane, bro. Okay. That's why I didn't give it the four. Because Russian mole 
in the White House, a sleeper agent who gets that high up the ranks so quickly. Sure, ridiculous. But man, in terms of this universe, I bought it in the universe. Mm. I bought it for okay. their right. their motivations and their storytelling going on in this universe. But you're right. It, it's a little too off the chain of the deep state. My first reaction to the idea of Publius and the deeper state was I was actually my first time kind of like, come on, a deep state, you got to make a deeper state. So I questioned it a little bit, but in the end, I, I was bought into it. And on a second read, I was even more bought into it. So Well, that's good. That's a good sign. Yeah, it got my attention. It kept me engaged. I'm going with a nine for plot, a three for buy-in. All right, you, you sold me on. I guess I got to think about it in terms of buy-in within the context of the story. And I'll bump it up to a three for you, Mike. Two was low, man. Two was low. Yeah, two was, two was low. Two was and low. what about your buy-in in terms of your engagement? You texted me after midnight last night <laughs> as you were finishing the book. I So you can't put it down. Right. On Friday, that's when I got to like, I don't know, 40% of the book. And then I couldn't, I didn't have time over the weekend. So yesterday, I'm just crushing it at work like while I'm while I'm doing my assays and I put the kids to bed I'm I'm cleaning up uh, I watched the basketball game and then Caroline went to bed and I just I sat down on the couch and I was just listening on the podcast and I I couldn't not finish the book I had I had to finish it yeah, yeah. so all right I, I, think I I'll give it a three if buy-in was just the unput downable factor that's like a perfect five that's that's a 10 out of 10 it's five out of five you can't put it down but we've got to incorporate buy-in of were there roll my eye moments or were they I kind of checked out moments. So I, I think you also got to incorporate that in a buy. And is it just so preposterous in the end that it doesn't right. matter which universe you're in, if it's fiction or not? You do want the thrillers to be grounded somewhat, you know, like you want it to be grounded in reality. This is not this is not a Marvel movie, you know, it's like not it, science it, fiction. It, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. What about action? Yeah. So. I don't know. You're probably going to be shocked at my score here. I gave it a six. I, okay. I thought that the action out of 10, I, I thought the action while where, where we got it was good. You know, like the opening scene, boxing, like that a little, little snippet of action. We get some action with obviously the, her, her fight with, with uh, Scott in the car, right? We get action with various times with these, uh, the Sinatra or what the, the Rat Pack crew, right? We get the final takedown at Camp David, you know, like, so in the places we got it, again, I think this is a testament to his writing and the descriptions around the action, you know, you're, it's, it's like, you know, left punch, right punch, you know, like it's, it just, mm-hmm. as you're reading it, it, it goes so fast and it's very, it's, it's fluid. It's not, there's times in both Mitch or Brad and, um, in Vince, where some of those chapters in where it's action and their pacing goes so fast, I get confused mm-hmm. about I, I think of and this is actually not not Vince, but it's it's um Kyle. That scene with Grisha and Rap at the very end of what book is that? Um and no order to order no order to kill order to kill, yes. Where they're in that like uh Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia in that oil refinery. Yes. And it, it, 
as you're reading that chapter, it's going so fast. You get lost. And I'm like, like, wh- where, where are these people? Like, I didn't, in any of the action scenes here, I did not feel that. It, it was very grounded. I could understand everything. But I just, there wasn't much action. Like, that's no, my right. problem. That's why I gave it a six. I think you're right. I think I'll, I'll say, looking back, there's not much action. And then a couple of action scenes are a little random, like the White House fence jumper. Right, exactly. That was almost a plot device. You needed Haley to prove herself. You needed her to ingratiate herself with the president. I, I, dude, now you trust no one. Now you got me thinking. Was the fence jumpers part of the deeper state to get Haley recognized? I I think it was. I think it was. Oh my god. She she knew they were going to be there. Like that's what that when I'm when I once I heard that I go back and I was looking at all these points and I'm like, oh, "Wait. Snap. Those those were plants so that was she could tackle him, get on the good graces. She knew that he would be like, "Oh, who is this person? Oh, she was in the military. I want her to be serving me my grilled cheese, you know, or I want yeah. her to be bringing me my binder." Like it, the, all of a sudden these things start clicking after I read read that twist. You know? Because you know how we've been talking about that weird feeling that something's not complete? When the fence jumper scene happened, I was like, kind of random, out of the blue. <laughs> it was so which, out of the blue. Which means it's part of the deeper state. It could be. You never know. Oh, my goodness. Publius organized it. Anyway. Yeah. That's the cool part about this book is that you don't know what you don't know you don't know what you don't know right you don't know who's part of the deep state who's part of the deeper state what is real what is fake trust no one trust no one all right so i went with eight on action because i like that i liked Haley tracking down who she thought was clean who she didn't think was clean the camp david scene was pretty cool at the end you know the secret service that that was that was really cool i i when she sees almost no one and there's like this very eerie camp david and these agents were placed on duty by the conspirators by the deep state to disappear and leave their post i was like shit that's like really creepy and i gotta be honest there were a few presidents recently that i wondered if all the integrity and training and dedication of service members and people like secret service officers at some point is somebody gonna just have enough like just reach wit's end of just how polarized America is and what would happen if an organization as powerful and important as a secret service, what if somebody or a few people snapped, you know, like, right. That's and here you literally have people desert post to let the president get assassinated. Like I found that gripping. Yeah. I, I don't think I can come to terms with thinking that that would happen, but I guess you, you never know. I you hope never it know, happen. and it's a story, and to use that as a storytelling device was pretty powerful. Yeah, for sure. All right, so eight on action, I'll agree with you. Not completely jam-packed, not really consistent throughout the book, but it had my attention regardless. Villains. All right, so what, what about some characters? Yeah, let, let's get into the villains and the good guys and the bad guys. I have a big gripe here, I'm going to be honest with you, but can, yeah, can I go first? Sure, go first. Okay. I, I went first in the other ones. I loved Odom. I thought he was great. Played the role perfectly. Yeah, he was good. But the Sinatra character, mm, he was I weird. was I I was not on board. I 
especially the Catholic stuff, it was so out of place. And I don't know if my background is coloring my thoughts here, but the way he randomly would pray. And I get the intention was to say this mission means something personal to him. He thinks he's doing it for a good reason or a higher cause. But it was just so misguided and out of the blue. I couldn't put my finger on the Sinatra character and why he's praying the Hail Mary or the Our Father and getting other people in his crew. He wants them to pray with him before their ops struck me as just out of place. Yeah, this is not Boondock Saints. You know, like, right. I don't know, maybe because we're both Catholic, it, it hit us weird. Um, I don't know. I, I, I found it a little bit strange. It just and wasn't needed. I don't know. It, it didn't add any depth to the character. This guy was just strange. He could have just been a, a competent assassin. You know, you could have just had yeah. him do that. or Not a and competent have, assassin, but like. I have no problems if you are making a point about religious extremism. Because, sure, that can apply to Catholics in certain scenarios. It can apply to sure. any religious group. You can have an extremist as a villain willing to use violence for whatever purpose that they think they twistedly justify in their mind. So I'm not against that. It was just it didn't need to be here in this story with this plot for this character. It didn't fit in that sense. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. All right, so what did you give the villain? I was going to go as low as a two because of that, but I liked Odom. I'm going with a three. I I thought Odom as the CIA guy was fantastic. Yeah, I kind of went the same thing. The the actual sort of players or, or killers, operatives, they were low for me, but Odom was high. And then, you know, even though we didn't get much of him as a quote unquote villain, just the fact that he is a Russian mole, like that sort of bumped up the you know, with uh, uh, the president being Monroe. being a bad a villain in the end, like that that bumped it back up to a three for me. So yeah, I, I was gonna go two, but then, then I gave it a three. Nice. And how about what about the, the other guys? characters, Mike? Yeah. So I I kind of liked them, and I think it. So I give a four because I feel like, and again, as a screenwriter, you have to set some of these people up and his descriptions and giving these people a little bit of backstories. And then we also get for some people like their future stories. Like, that was cool. So I think his writing again, helped the characters here. So I give, I give it a four. The, yep. the other players were, were pretty good, especially Asher, you know, yep. Scott, even though he was a bad guy, like, um, you know, some of the other, you know, the, the people that you don't like, but they're not quote unquote villains. Right. They were good. It was a good overall cast of characters. Like, if this were an ensemble... Leon. We got Leon Washington. Dude, that's why I went up to a four. I love the characters. I was like, Haley, I love five out of five. Some of the other ones, somewhere in the middle. Oh, yeah, Haley. I didn't even mention her. (laughs) Right, honestly. But Leon Washington, he definitely gave me that four. I wasn't going any lower. Dude was awesome. This cook, this chef, doing what he does. Even says at one point, I don't really care about the politician in power. I care about what that person wants to eat, and I'm going to make it good for him. You know, I just uh, – I, I love that character and how he helps out at the end in the Camp David scene. And another thing there – and this also goes back to Haley's mentor in the very beginning, her boxing coach in the army. Each one of these people with their either backstory or flash-forward story – represented something more than just themselves. They represented a slice of society or a a persona or a type that we all know, 
or we can identify with. And that was very Flynnian. I think Vince Flynn used the backstory to flesh out a character, not just to tell you who the character was, but to tell you what they represented about our world, about society. And I think Chris is doing that here with a bunch of characters, from Leon Washington to Becca the intern to Asher to the chief of staff. And I'm going four out of five on characters. I love this cast. Yeah, we we should say, like, Haley Chill is a freaking awesome character. Like, right. I, again, I, I'd say I was I was down on her for, you know, as we're going along, but then like once I once I got the full reveal and like everything started to make sense, I was like, oh, she's a fucking badass. Like she is a badass. I can't, and I immediately started Savage Road. It, I was going to say how much I, I yep. That's how much I liked her as a character that I I wanted to know what she did next. Wait till book two and wait till Insurrection Day. I, those I, it solidifies Haley as one of the main big names of the Thrillerverse. Absolutely. Something we didn't talk about yet. Something I'm pretty high on here. The setting. I love the DC stuff. I'm a sucker for the DC stuff. <laughs> I'm a sucker for the DC stuff too. But I'm giving it a three because we didn't really leave DC. Yep, 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 yep. And we've gotten better. So I'm a sucker for DC but we've read so many books that have stayed only in DC and the general surrounding area of Virginia, Maryland, whatever mm-hmm. that have done a better job of going to more places. So I, I couldn't quite give it a four or five. So I, I went sort of just down the middle, like three, but you know, I, it, you can't, can't go wrong with, with DC. Yeah. I was going to knock it for not going outside the city. Where was the international kind of, Jet setting, country to country jumps. I like that. Especially after coming off Brad, like Brad's going to score a five on this every time, right? (laughs) Coming off Brad, right? The travel guide, like literally the travel producer of his own travel show on PBS. Like, yeah, traveling with Scott is a whole nother world. So I I still gave it the four. I could have gone lower for that, but I actually disagree. I do think it was heavy on DC. I would say among the best in thrillers that I've seen using the landscape. I mean, maybe it's because I drive over the key bridge every day and I have considered Mm. this (laughs) railing is pretty low. Could a car go over this or um, camp David? I did a hike through the woods up there. Didn't see the actual facilities, but know the general area and Mount Catoctin and where else did they go around DC? There's a couple. Oh, one of the houses is in Calorama Heights. And then Falls Church. She was in Georgetown. Billings has a house in Falls Church. And then they're in Georgetown. And those were not just dropped. Oh, the bus. She even takes buses. And the routes were accurate. Like that one bus that goes to Roslyn over the Key Bridge. Oh, she jumps. She falls into the Potomac. She gets washed downstream. The the fishermen find her backpack in the Alexandria or Arlington Bank. So you're making you're making me want to move this up to like a three point five. But I'm giving. Uh, ooh, are you going to pull out the half card? Yeah, I think I got it. I got it. I can't give it a three. I got to give it a three point five. I'm going to approve. I approve. I will not veto right. that <laughs> choice. I'm going to stick with a four. Then I my work is done. Okay, so one of the things we're very passionate about on this podcast, and we're we're continuing it here, and I was kind of surprised. When I actually had the pleasure of pulling all the covers this time around, normally, normally that's something you do. 
Because you didn't think there was multiple covers. I've only seen one. Yeah. <laughs> but there actually are, and I'm going to I'm going to have to say they're all pretty good. They're pretty good. But the strongest contender and the reason I'm giving this a solid it's, it's not a 5. 5 is hard to get with covers for us, but it, it's a solid 4. And yeah. it, the reason it's a 4 is cuz that that original cover is so damn good. That's so great. And not only do they have it in in black, but they have it in white. Oh. And both both of them with with this this bright red, especially with the black and the white, it pops the house, the white house, or the Capitol building is upside down. On the on the black cover, it says a thriller upside down. But what I like about the white cover, it says trust no one. Yeah, that's and good. I I love that. That was that was so good. That's good. This. This cover, doing the black and white, playing off one another, and I don't know if there was a purpose, right? Like, the black was the original hardcover, the white is the paperback for mass market. I'm not sure how that went down, but a really smart move to do the two-color combo, a black version, a white version. It's just this idea of what you thought you knew, and then a whole nother world behind it. So, really smart to do the same cover in two different color schemes. Upside down capital is pretty good, but the fact that a thriller is also upside down is is just <laughs> the knockout pretty... punch. It's so clever. Yes. And Very deep state clever. staring you in the face, the black, the red, perfect. This looked really good on the Kindle, by the way. Yes. In the um high res, if you have like a, a fire tablet that has like the actual color screen or an iPad. It looked so crisp on that because I remember that's how I read it first before I got the the hard copy. Yeah, that's a great cover. I, you know what? Do I pull out my half card? Ooh, half no, card. No, no, no. Okay. Okay. Here's why I'm not going to do it. Here's why I'm staying out of four. We get a running man. We have I, a running man. I the running man's okay. A running but, running woman. Running woman. And that one's okay, but hunched over person. I'm going to call that cover C, even though we got it in the fourth spot. <laughs> a cover C with a red and the yellow and hunched over person with their head hung low. That makes no sense to me. It's a burnt It's a burnt piece of paper. Sure. What's the person doing there? It's Haley Chill. She's got a gun. With her head down, sulking? I, I don't know, Mike. <laughs> yeah, that, that is kind of weird. But it has right, trust no one, which which is pretty cool. It says trust no one. Burn after reading. I get it. Cool. I I can't go higher than a four though. That one's kind of no. Yeah. That's why I, you know you can't. But the 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 OG cover is just so good. It it has to be a four. The four. Yeah. The OG is so good. That's a five out of five on its own. Once you yes, inter- I introduce would agree. me to these agree. other, you know, cast of characters and. Overall, I can't give it that perfect five. It's going to take a lot to get the perfect five on covers from us, but the original Deep State comes pretty darn close. Okay, Mike. Uh, the all-important Free Space, a.k.a. our winner of the book. I think we've, we're sort of transitioning yes. Free Space to be the our winner. winners of the book. Automatic five. So I had a feeling that we were probably both going to pick the same one. So I have a backup, but... My first five out of five is the twist, like the the whole yes. plot subversion and bringing that that card out. You know, 
with 40 minutes left in the audiobook or however many chapters left in the book was just amazing. It, it brought this book from being, you know, I'm like, all right, it's, it's a decent thriller to, wow, this is a really good book. Did, did you have the same one? I agree with you. I said the twist as well. So I came up with a secondary one, just a backup because okay. I knew we'd both say that. All right. Well, well, you say yours and then I'll tell you my backup too. And mine, I'm surprised we haven't talked about it. And when we cover Savage Road, we'll talk about it more. It only comes in the last 10, 20 pages, but Publius is a big winner. Mm. When that former that cool. president and Supreme Court justice, because Haley asked for, I need confirmation. If you're recruiting me for this, you're putting me through this. How do I know you're not the liar? When she asked that question, if I'm supposed to trust no one and there's a deep state, how can I trust you telling me there's a deep state? I was like, boom, love this girl. <laughs> boom baby and they're like okay you're right that's the only question that needed to be asked let me bring you some evidence next week and they fly in a former president supreme court justice by the way were you getting huge rbg vibes did you hear the plank (laughs) comment i did yeah i i I had a feeling former supreme court justice you should try planking she says at one point and they have a laugh about it i was like oh snap but for the former president I was it was a mashup again. We're not taking sides here, Democrat Republican. I felt like the way he held himself and was described, it was a Bill Clinton George W mashup. Like he mashup. had this presence and strength of a W, but this imposing kind or lightheartedness of a of a Bill Clinton. I don't know. Um but I liked Publius mm-hmm. and let me just give you this quote here of how Publius is described. Unless do you want to first share your secondary one? No, give give us a give us a quote. Yeah, listen to this. This is why I love this idea so much. So you're shocked by the Russia stuff, and once right. once the shock of Monroe as the Russian mole, once that wears off, you're hit again with who is this Publius? Who's going to stand up to the Russian mole? And he writes, "Quote: A loose affiliation of individuals who shared lifelong government service and extreme patriotism." Most were retired from those official offices, which included former presidents, Supreme Court justices, NSA and CIA directors, senators, and military brass. None maintain those powerful positions at the present time, thereby guaranteeing their motivations were pure and absent the typical self-serving incentives of their active counterparts. There was no name for this group, nor was there a leader or hierarchy. Few of them had ever met one another. Their identities hidden behind avatars and pseudonyms. Dude, the deeper state of CIA directors, NSA directors, justices, former presidents. That's that's nasty. I also liked how they both, both the Publius and the Operation Damocles people, they mm-hmm. kind of had the same goal. Like they weren't going to let this president, you know, ultimately do what he wanted to do, but bring us closer to Russia. But I like how Chris explains the rationale and how we should align with Publius because the the reason why Damocles and, you know, Odom and those players, even though they said they wanted it for national security or, you know, the state of the union, they really wanted it for to remain in power. And for yes. them, they, they, they create power. But for these other people, 
they're out of power. They don't really right. care about having that anymore. I, mean, I guess you could argue that they sort of do have power. But, they have um, influence. They have influence. But, um, you know, their ultimately goal, their ultimate goal is to preserve the Constitution, pr- preserve our country. Uh, and I like that. Yeah, absolutely. So my my backup was the introduction. I our, our, the introduction scene to Haley Chill and the yes. boxing scene. Yes, I just thought that was a cool original way to introduce us to our character. Um, you know, we sort of we get a little like hints of, of who she is, a little bit of her backstory, and then this this one of the action scenes that w- were very good. And you know, she she's down, she's out, and she comes back. I don't know. I, I just I really clicked with it. I thought it was a cool original way to kickstart this this story i'm with you and you know what even pumps that up even more little tidbits about who she is like squeezing the rock before a fight right exactly blood has been drawn now the fight can begin i love that all right so what total does that give you mike i end up with a 40 out of 50 which I think is fair because I love this book. And as we've said on the Scott Harvath pod, we are not analyzing the book to give you a perfect 50 out of 50, a perfect 100 out of 100. Our job is not to tell you it's a perfect book. Our job is to analyze, to critique in both a positive and const- you know a constructive way at the same time, talk about what we love, talk about what we didn't like, because the book deserves that. So... 40 out of 50, I think, is a fantastic score. Even our Scott Harvath books have ended up in the low 30 or low 20s out of 30s. So, yeah, 40 out of 50, I think that's right for me. What'd you get? Well, Lions was 25 eventually. Uh, and I think we, we need to go back and, and recalculate it based on these new new parameters because I, I think it would score close close to the 40, if not a little bit higher. True. Um, I, I gave it a 36.5. Maybe I'm a little low. I, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm coming in a little bit, a little bit negative, more negative than you. But uh, yeah, no, like you said, we wouldn't choose a book to do, to even do the scorecard unless we already thought you should go out and buy it and read it. So we recommend it. Just, right. just take that with a grain of salt. So yeah. I will say my first read through, I was probably, I would have been about there. And this yeah, maybe I need higher. to go back and read it. Yep. I need to go back and read it then. Went higher on my reread. And I think, Dude, goes higher with Savage Road because I'm not going to say much, but you know who becomes a character? Andrew Wilde. Haley's recruiter for the Deeper State. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, oh yeah. he We met him for like a second, right? At, yep. the, at the Red Lobster. Nice. Yeah. Pretty cool conversation too. And thank goodness, but you're going to get more of him. Yeah, so we're coming in like uh, I'm. I'm Goodreads. Goodreads gave it a 3.89. Your Amazon gave it a 4.4, you know. This thing was an international bestseller, editor's choice from from the New York Times book review, a Los Angeles Times bestseller, and indie next pick for January. So people love this book. A little low on Goodreads. I'm surprised by yeah. that. I don't think that's deserved. Maybe they didn't 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 reread it like like or and analyze it like we did. You know what? I bet some people maybe didn't finish it. Oh, I, I hope not. I think I some not. people probably put it down. Because I'll be honest with you, I don't know. If, if you don't get to that twist, it, it probably is a 3.8. You know? Right, it changes everything. I wonder if that's the case. I'd have to read some of the, the comments. 
some of the comments yeah interesting interesting hey one more idea for you as we wrap up we always want to thank our patrons you know you guys who help make this podcast possible by financially supporting us a couple bucks a month price of one paperback you can get cool swag like a no limits scott harvath bookmark a mitrap pod sticker and a lot of our bonus content what do you think chris what if we do some fan casting on our little Patreon bonus uh, podcast feed where we could talk about who we think would play Haley Chill or Monroe and all these different characters. We could do a special recording for our patrons. Oh, yeah. I, I have those in mind, ready to go. So let's yes. do that. Yeah, I'm really curious who you see as Haley. Did you think it was one random thing that popped in my head we didn't talk about? Did you think it was random how he said, like, he put Barack Obama as a character in this book? Wait, when? He said that um, I think Odom Odom has like a picture with Barack Obama. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, I thought it was very interesting. Like the, this whole world is, I, I was just imagining it's, you know, like most thrillers, they take place in an alternate history. But yeah, no, uh, Barack Obama was a character in this book. That's funny because he didn't name RBG at the end. He didn't name, you know, Clinton, Bush, Obama, whichever president that was. But he name dropped that one. Yeah, it was just, it wasn't like a character. It was just like he had this, you know, the CIA director had a picture taken with, or like had some artifact. I forget what specifically what it was, but it it, it gave continuity that Barack Obama was a president in, in this universe. Yeah. And I, I guess something that brings us really into the universe is Insurrection Day, the novella, right. which takes place on January 6th. So there are some parallels Chris wants to draw with our universe and hers. There's There's some overlap. Yeah, Savage Road was published on January 5th of 2021, the day before oh, January wow. 6th. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't think I caught that. Interesting. Very interesting. All right, my man. It's fun. So, this was a good book. Yeah, no, this was fun. I, I like I like doing these uh, single book pods. Um, hopefully, we keep doing more of these. Yeah, the rest of this month, we want to squeeze in a bit more uh, Chris Hotty content. Hopefully, we'll cover a few more of the books. Storm Rising just released today, the day of our recording. We definitely want to cover that one soon. But also looking ahead, June is going to be Jack Carr Month on the Thriller Podcast. So come back here. We'll be covering Terminalist and also In the Blood, the new release. So we're getting ready in June for the TV show uh, that's going to come out shortly thereafter. And we're definitely going to be covering the Terminalist TV show once that drops. All right. We need to thank our patrons, including our special operator, Sherry F., our special agents, Daryl, Kevin, George, Matt, Dawn, Dennis, Peggy, Catherine, Ray, Bridget, Jeff, and Mark. Please subscribe, rate, and review using your favorite podcasting platform. You can find us at thethrillerpod.com or on Twitter and Instagram at MetrapPod. And as always, keep the faith. thought you were gonna go with trust no one i really oh. i, I would have put my no, money I, I on trust no one. i have to i have to hold on hold on can can you can you cut that maybe a little post credit <laughs> no let me redo that all right let me redo it all i'm just gonna go back no just do everything else is perfect so just do as always and as always 
trust no one. Dude, I had my money on you saying it. I really did. I, I don't know why I didn't. Damn it. I would have gambled my very small amount of life savings on you saying it. <laughs>